welcome back for another episode here at Crest Talk. We're your hosts, Jamie Kim, Chloe Lee, and Jamie Freitag. At Crest, we believe everyone deserves support. The Crest app provides personalized support that helps you stress less and accomplish more. Hi guys, welcome back for another episode. We're so glad you're here. And if you're new, we just wanted to reassure you that we are no longer recording in our studio and all of your hosts are in our separate homes and we're, we're recording this over an audio call. So to get into today's topic, it's something that I'm personally super excited about. We'll be talking about the habits of successful people. And by successful, we're talking, you know, those big name CEOs, um, entrepreneurs, billionaires that have built empires from the ground up. And I think it's a really big topic. I'm sure maybe some of you have seen a lot of the articles that are posted about it because people just wonder, is there something common that everyone's doing to get there? Is there... Um, are there habits or practices that um, these people have integrated into their lives to maybe that help them get there or maybe help them maintain this type of lifestyle? So we'll be getting into that. We'll just discuss a lot of those and all of these things. We did a lot of research and the information that we're getting is from articles as well as a book called Seven Habits of Highly Successful People by Stephen R. Covey. So we just took apart what we thought were most pertinent or most common amongst our research. And it's definitely um, research that you can conduct on your own if you're interested. We're going to get into the first one. This is something that was one of the most common ones that we've seen and it's waking up early. And as an early, we don't mean 8 a.m., we mean like 5 a.m., even earlier. For example, Tim Cook, the current CEO of Apple, gets up at 3.45 a.m. So just leaving it at that, like, what do you guys think? Definitely. Um, I can see that you can get so much work done, like, if you are that type of, you know, early riser from 345. And then think about, you know, how much you've accomplished when it hits lunchtime, you know? So mm-hmm. for, that would be really a good time to get things done. But for me, personally, I always struggle with waking up early and then, like, crashing, you know, like, at dinner time or anything. So... I don't know. It's it, it could go either way for me. 3.45 is definitely super early. I think I sleep around that time sometimes mm-hmm. um, if I feel like it. But I agree that when you when you wake up earlier, you're, you have such a, like, you have a longer day, which is great. And I guess that leaves more room for productivity. But I, w- I have to say it's not definitely for everyone. You have to really listen to your body and see, you know, how the body responds to waking up that early. Right, absolutely. And that's a big disclaimer before we go into this whole like sleep thing. We know that line that I feel like I can hear in my sleep. It's like, you need seven to eight hours of sleep to function. And while I'm sure that's true, like, yes, that amount of sleep can't hurt. There's no pressure into that. I know of some friends and family who literally cannot sleep for more than five or even four hours. They just get up and they're ready to go and they're not exhausting themselves. It's not tiring for them. It's just, I feel like everyone's internal clock is extremely unique. And this could also, you know, have to do with your circumstances, especially when you're um, building a startup or something. Sometimes you don't have that luxury, especially if it's something that you're actually passionate about. Sometimes that takes over and the adrenaline and your emotional drive can definitely override um, the amount of sleep that you get. So like first things first, I think the most important thing besides Um, you know, the big idea of getting up early is really just getting enough sleep for yourself and 
enough as in however that can translate to you like what is enough for you for some people it's five for some people it's nine so that's just something I wanted to throw out there but definitely what Jane what you were saying about how you have so much time I feel like it gives you it seems to be a popular habit because it's something that people can control like their mornings and it allows kind of like a time of solitude as well for me I enjoy waking up early because you kind of feel like you have a head start you're ahead of the game before anyone else is up especially with like the rest of my family or even outside there's not as much people walking around making noise less cars and digitally too I'm not getting emails I'm not getting as much text messages or calls even or requests or demands of my time so for me I feel like it might even put you in an offense where you're not as reactive to things and you're not um, having to meet your obligations it's really just you have just time to yourself to I guess approach the day on your own terms that's really interesting that you brought up not having your phone digging every two minutes with someone else you know <laughs> valuing for your time but yeah that's it definitely it almost puts you into like kind of like a weird surreal feeling like you're up but the whole world is not exactly. and you can focus on yeah. yourself and what you're doing before the craziness of the world gets to you for the day and and the times that i do wake up early that's something that i actually value but i don't think i've ever put into words before hmm. so um yeah so it's definitely it's, it's almost like um the word i'm thinking of is uncanny because here you are, you're being so productive. I mean, in Tim Cook's case, 3.45 in the morning, you're being so productive, get like, you know, starting your day, but the rest of your house is sleeping. The rest of the world is sleeping. And, you know, you're, you're getting that head start. So that's really valuable to me. Especially in quarantine, if we're living with roommates or families, it's hard to have you know, true alone time by yourself. And people are always intruding. People are just stuck together under one roof. For me, waking up early is so great. It's something that I've been trying to do more recently because it's time where I can just truly be alone and do what I want to do. Yeah, it's honestly very therapeutic. And just like watching the sun come up and, you know, the whole house is quiet. Yeah, that's something that I definitely am learning to appreciate more and more, especially during this time. I feel like that's so relatable what you said, Chloe. I'm sure all like the three of us outside of this podcast talk about, you know, sometimes we'll talk about our, some certain family members or certain things, you know, walking in and out, being distracting or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So sometimes in these situations, you just got to take it into your own hands and be like, all right, then I'll wake up when everyone else isn't. And even that, it's, I feel like it's so powerful. Like you don't have to physically be out of your house to feel this time of solitude and just the time to reconnect with yourself before you even begin your day or before people are asking you things or putting your, before your obligations start forming ahead of you. Right, you know, but kind of going back a little bit, it all depends on your schedule. If you're working nights at the hospital or, you know, you can't necessarily wake up that early because of, you know, whatever's going on in your life, or you don't go to bed <clears throat> until, until late, you know, your working conditions and your motivation mm -hmm. levels are unique. So um, I think just finding the healthy balance between um, waking up at a normal time for you or, you know, a good time for you and balancing your mental health with that, I think that's important. Yeah, that's really true. Because again, when me, I feel like a lot of this research that's been done has been on CEOs like of Apple and Microsoft, you know, so it's coming from like a very entrepreneurial side. So that really does take it into a big effect. I do know if, um, if you're listening that there are ways people actually do write about 
how can I be like an early bird, but not during early bird hours? Because that is definitely true. So I feel like it really does depend on how you want to structure your day and what works for you. And, you know, like your midnight could be someone else's 6am. But as long as that, as long as you have that, you know, that drive in yourself to create this type of structure, I think anything works really. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, we have to listen to our body. You know, don't push your body too much. And if you're struggling or if you're, if you can't stay awake, if you're not productive, then, you know, switch it around. See what time of the day works best for you. Um, I was actually doing some research and a professor of neurology from John Hopkins University says that if your sleep cycle and if the time that you go to sleep is inconsistent, it can actually be counterproductive. Um, her, name, her name is Rachel Salas. She says that if it's not consistent, it messes up the, um, the system. Um, and she added that if you want to be an early bird, you need to get full night's sleep the same amount of sleep at the same time in order for it to be successful. Yeah, if you sacrifice sleep, if you try to be an early bird by not getting enough sleep, you're going to have negative effects of sleep like moodiness, poor concentration, weight gain, anxiety, and even increase of heart disease. So if being an early bird means cutting sleep, just don't do it. Right, exactly. And you know, a lot of the CEOs, when they say, I wake up at 5 a.m., they go to bed at like 8. So... Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. early rise does not equal sleep deprivation. So that's yeah. another thing. Like, just because someone wakes up early, you don't even, like, some people will, that's like when I eat dinner and I cannot sleep that early. <laughs> but, but it's because their goal is to get ahead of the game. So again, I think it all goes back to what yeah. is your priority. Like, do you want to get ahead of people before they log on and start ringing up your phone and your email and your inbox? I think that's really interesting. Like, that study showed, like, it could really backfire if you're not really thinking. And you, yeah. it's... It's crazy, though, how it can backfire. You wouldn't think that it would backfire, but the fact that it can overall just be so counterproductive, mm -hmm. um, that's definitely something that I feel like people yeah. need to be more aware about. And messing with your sleep cycle and changing your habits, like, that's a big step. I feel like it's really underrated in how it can affect you. So it's something that I would highly encourage people to research or ease themselves into if they're trying to pick up a new habit. I like what you said about easing into the habit because, you know, habits don't happen overnight. Like for me, when I was in high school, when I was younger, I, I was a complete night owl, you know, like from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. That was my prime time. I was up. I was hyper. I had energy. But I realized that that wasn't working for my lifestyle at the, at the time because I had to wake up in like four to five hours and I was constantly sleep deprived. So that's when I realized I needed to change. I needed to develop a different habit for me to be more successful. So I tried going to sleep earlier. I started at midnight and I went back hours like 11 and then 10 and then 9. And, you know, at first it was really hard. I was up for like two to three hours and I couldn't go to sleep because my brain, my body was wired that way. Right. But over time, over many months, I spent it out took a couple months, um, I was able to wake up earlier and earlier. And I definitely will just start trying that because right now I feel like my main, I guess, advice to give you guys is it seems so kind of like surface level to say it, but something you, I feel like people need to hear this. It is okay to put your phone on off or do not disturb when you lay down. Right. Um, my biggest yeah. pet peeve, and it's, and it's, no, it's no one's fault on my own is like, being so close to drifting off and then boom, my phone goes off with you know, 
included. That's definitely, like, she's talking I about hate that. <laughs> I'm not talking, no, I'm not talking looking about at me right now and <laughs> my face. I mean, it's 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 not fair to my friends that I'm a grandpa and I go to bed so early and then wake up really late. But um, <laughs> it's just that you you can't put it on yourself to always be present there for everyone at every moment and it's it's okay at night to just shut it off just to to ignore it you know exactly like if you have to like you know prioritize that it's like what do you want to do you want to fall asleep then take the necessary steps yeah like it's really all in your control I feel like that's another big thing um but that we'll talk about later that's another big habit so obviously you know we're talking about this because a lot of known CEOs wake up early but again I know a lot of other CEOs that wake up at nine or even ten I guess since we're just talking about it I wanted to go into a little bit about why is it like such a like a popular habit I guess and in terms of I guess like productivity and it also seems to be it links back with what we said but extremely popular because again there's less distractions so I think that really like even if you wanted to talk to someone, you can't in a way because they're sleeping. So it really forces you to be in that isolated zone. And people have even said that their most productive hour is 4 a.m. Like for some reason, they just like rush think and they'll just think of crazy ideas, but they end up working. For some reason, it's like that. And a lot of people say that the earlier week, you have a higher, you have more willpower during the day because like scientists describe willpower to be kind of like a muscle that can become fatigued. So let's Mm -hmm. say you're going throughout your day, you're dealing with, you don't wake up early. So, you know, you're rushing, or even if you're not rushing, you just have just enough time to do your morning routine and then you leave and you head into some traffic or if you commute, commuting is always annoying. I've done it for four years for high school. It sucks. And then you might, there's always a chance that you'll deal with unpleasant people or encounters and like by the time you're even hit like lunchtime you're already so drained because you had to deal with the rest of the world so it does kind of it causes you to be a little jaded and your creativity and your willpower to even continue the day can be very low I don't know if you've got you guys have experienced that but sometimes we always have those days where just one unpleasant encounter in the morning can just trigger off like a chain reaction yeah, like sometimes when I go into work, it's super early. And if, you know, my, my boss yells at me or something, or if there's a really rude or nasty customer, it'll ruin my whole morning. And throughout the whole day, I'm going to feel groggy and tired. So I feel like also like what Jamie said, the situation and the things you encounter in the mornings can affect your tiredness or your productivity, I guess. Yeah, definitely. You just, you're like, okay, I already dealt with all this crap in the morning. Why would I like, what do I have left to give myself or Mm -hmm. my company or whatever you're working towards? And I don't know about you guys, but for me, I have never had a day where I was rushing in the morning and felt good. Like, you know, like even, let's say even just like later in the day in general, whether I'm going somewhere or not, well, let's take the first route. Let's say you're rushing because you woke up late for an event or you had to be somewhere. I going to feel like crap because I definitely, I, you know, like sometimes you feel prettier or, you know, you feel more like ready to take on the day when you know you have put time to um, involve yourself with self-care, you know, like do your hair, makeup or whatever makes you feel good. And if you don't have the chance to do that, oh my God, picking your outfit. If I'm wearing like a girl outfit, gray on gray on gray, again, not a good thing, but I've never had a day where I rushed in the morning. I'm like, oh, today's going to be a good day. And then another thing, if I wake up late in general, and then half the day is gone, 
when yeah. in high school, I'd be really sleep deprived all the time. So on the weekends, I would wake up at one or even two. Some of my friends even woke up in the afternoon and you wake up and it's like, oh, time to sleep again. I don't know what that just really bothered me. And I just, I feel like it really did play with my mindset a little bit. Right. And I really like how you mentioned the whole self-care part of it, um, especially during the quarantine, like getting ready for online classes. I think one of our professors <laughs> mentioned that, you know, she was wearing a nice sweater on top, but on the bottom she was wearing pajamas. And it was just that small thing that like made her right. feel more productive. And so definitely I have been seeing the effects of that. Just honestly, just putting on like a nice sweater that's still 100% as comfortable as my pajamas, you know, but you just, you just feel better about yourself. Yeah. yeah. You can only do that if you take some time for yourself in the morning, relax, pick out an outfit, get ready and, you know, do your whole self-care routine. Mm-hmm. That, you know, like as we're talking about this, I'm realizing more and more how much I enjoy my morning time because um, like we like we just said, when we have time to even, you know, make coffee or make breakfast or do some yoga, even put on makeup, it kind of paves out a path towards how your day is going to go. Like if you're rushing out of the morning, like you don't you didn't eat anything or, you know, your head is in jumbles and you're not going to have a good day and the people that you're going to encounter, you're going to be grumpy to them. So, yeah, that's really important. That's so true what you said, how it affects how you even interact with other people yeah and then that's true like it, you you get grumpy at the rest of the world and it's not yeah. even everyone's fault but your own so again that also leads back to getting enough sleep because what if let's say you're tim cook and you're waking up at 3 45 when you slept at two like you're really like that's not going to work out so yeah it could even be a result of people trying to again just force themselves into that habit and without getting the proper amount of sleep or whatever that they need for themselves. So again, that's why it's so important to just like, you know, think things through a little bit before you actually think like carry it out in terms of action. Right. And so I don't know if you guys have ever tried this, but when you wake up early and you go for a run, this has only happened a few times in my life, but I have felt so much better for the rest of the day. Like they call it the runner's high. And I feel that throughout my whole entire day. And um, basically, like, that's under the umbrella of, like, the whole self-care thing that we're talking about because it not only boosts, you know, your over, like, your physical health, it also boosts your mental health. Yeah, and you know what's crazy to me, though? Like, you said you loved it and you're obviously aware of how much good it did for you. And I, you know, we both run and I love running. And for some reason, I'm just, like, curious for myself, like, like, Jane, you know you love it. You know how much good it did for you. And, like, why is it that we only do it, like, once? Like, know. you know? I think, for me, it's it's the the mentality of the night before um, at 9 o'clock saying, oh, my gosh, you know, anticipating the fact that I'm going to wake up at 5, 6 a.m., go for a run, and feel good about my day. It's kind of like a delayed gratification. And I think what makes it so hard is that you have to plan hours and hours in advance for that specific thing, waking up, get, you know, getting ready to run, taking a shower, and then, you know, going on with the rest of your day in that way. And I think, you know, the, the delayed gratification part of it is what makes it so hard. But again, like, I recognize it, you recognize it, we have to make it <laughs> more of a reality in our everyday lives. Right. But also, <laughs> Just in our defense, I feel like it's harder for students in a way 
Yeah. So like we, mm-hmm. I wish we were just working and all we had to do was work. But sometimes when you're a student and you have to study, your job as a student goes beyond the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish you could just stay in there, but yeah. you know, like you know, you just have to commit so many hours. So that's why sometimes I would kind of make myself feel better and be like, you know what, this your job of being a student literally takes up so much time, and it's for your career. So like, and you know, this relates to me watching YouTubers all the time and they're like my 4 30 a.m wake up routine and but but you know that their job is being an influencer and being a content creator so obviously it's easier for them in a way you know and then I'd be like why can't I do that I'm like oh wait it's because I have class at 8 a.m most days or I have to study until 2 a.m some days because we have multiple exams in a week so again do not be discouraged because it also has to depend with where you are at life because like you're conditions around you can really affect what you're able to do. Right. And for jobs, you know, in the workforce and you're out in quote unquote the real world, I feel like the stress level is a constant. Whereas when you're a student, it kind of, you know, waxes and wanes with that dreaded three week exam cycle, you know, like you take so many exams in one week, you feel completely relieved, you work out the rest of the week, and then boom, you hit, you hit another, um, you know, hump with all your exams. And I feel like you don't necessarily see that in a lot of jobs, maybe obviously seasonal jobs or, or something like that. But I think that's really unique to students. Yeah. But you know, like going back to the YouTube thing, I also see so many med students who are like perfect, you know, they're studying eight hours a day, they get their workout in, they eat healthy salads, and they have time for socializing. So things like that, it makes me think about how productive I am and how these people manage their time and their productivity towards success. And you're right, like for the most of us, it's so hard to like juggle all of these things. But when I watch these YouTubers, it makes me think like, how is it possible? But I see them doing it. So it's like, it's definitely possible. You guys know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I definitely see your point too. I don't know. And honestly, sorry, I'm still hung up that people can be in med school and work out and still eat a salad. Like that would not just yeah. <laughs> mentally or physically. Like I would be so angry the whole day. Um, that's just, <laughs> I don't know how a salad can, you know what I'm saying? Like that also takes a lot of willpower. And again, the fact that it's a habit like you can tell that that's their lifestyle and that's just what they've been doing yeah. every single day right also I don't want to focus necessarily on just early morning workouts it was kind of you know tying the two in together but physical fitness is just as important as your mental fitness and at any time of the day um, I definitely think exercise is beneficial so I don't want to you know make it seem that only early morning workouts is are acceptable because obviously, you know, as we were saying as students, it's just completely variable your schedule. Right. And even for me during quarantine, something that I've been trying to do more often is exercising. And I can definitely see that I like go out to my yard with my yoga mat and I just do some exercises. It's not even like vigorous exercise. It's maybe like 30 to 40 minutes and it helps me kind of clear my mind. It pushes me to challenge myself. And once I get through a really tough workout, I feel really good. And I come inside the house, you know, ready to do my other work. And so I can really see the benefits of exercising. And there are so many studies shown about how physical fitness correlates with mental fitness. And I can definitely see that in my own personal life and what I've been doing the past few months. Yeah, that's so true how much it can do for your mind. 
me and Jamie actually during the semester we like to go to the gym together and run for like 45 minutes to an hour but it's so funny how sometimes you'll see we'll be like okay gym later tonight we're like yeah sure we go to class and the teacher's like all right test next week and then after we're like yeah we're not gonna go and like that has happened so many times but then we also would have days where I feel like sometimes we just need to go, like we're just itching to go. So we'll be like, you know what? We need to know how to time manage. This is good for us. It's not like one hour at the gym will ruin our grade. It's also just a fear, you know? So like, I feel like we all, we all like at least the three of us here, we know the value of what exercise can do for you. And sometimes you just need to do it. Yeah. Another thing about like physical exercise is that it really does challenge your mentality like for example in high school I used to run I used to be a part of a team and I really learned through that experience that running is not only like physical endurance but it's also like mental because sometimes I'd be really tired my legs are hurting but from the things that I tell myself like one more mile one more mile I was able to get through it no matter how much my legs hurt no matter how much my lungs hurt I think that when you exercise physically, it can also impact your mental health and how strong and how much you can push through something. And I think definitely part of that whole mental health thing is finding, you know, your outlet. And for some people that's reading. And I read a lot of like nonfiction educational books, kind of about stuff that I wouldn't learn in school. Like, obviously I'm in the health field or going into the health field in the fall. Um, But I still love reading books about like astronomy and like uh, the economy. And this sounds boring as I'm saying this, but like (laughs) there are some really good books out there that you can gain more knowledge with and, you know, additional insight to stuff that you necessarily don't learn in school, which is kind of refreshing. No, 100 Mm percent. I can back that up because that's, you know, that's another habit that we also have seen a lot that. A lot of successful figures read a lot, like a lot of educational and self-improvement books. And even Jane, like obviously you're going to health, but you're reading about the economy. And I feel like that's so important, especially for healthcare, because they, I was just talking to a physician and I was telling her all the things I knew. We're just having a conversation. And she was like, why do you know all this? And she was, as a physician, was saying, I feel like people in healthcare are so like, especially once you enter medical school or whatever field, your tunnel vision just gets so much worse because that's all you know. So like, especially for people in healthcare, like, cause you know, it's so being in healthcare, you never stop learning. You will always study every single time, no matter yeah. how long you've been seeing patients, how long you've been practicing. So that's all you do. But then when you find books about the economy and business and being an entrepreneur, you know, all those things going on in the world, like the skills that you develop, I feel like it's so important to you know, broaden your studies. Right. And I think you can find different things that you're interested in other than medicine. You'd be on, like, you'd be surprised very easily. You know, all it takes for me, you know, back when libraries were open is just a quick stroll through whatever, you know, setup they have for that month. And then, you know, picking something out because a lot of medicine, like you said, is tunnel vision and is, you know, so intense that, you really don't have a lot of like leeway in in what you're doing. And I think something that I've struggled with through college is a lot of my friends, you know, they major in math, they major in engineering, and you could do so many things with that. Whereas, you know, oh, what's your major? Oh, PA. And it's like, oh, what do you want to be? PA, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. 
you know, like when we're in school, we're expected to read textbooks every single day, pages after pages. We have to read magazines, articles, but sometimes we want to take a break from that and read something that we're actually really interested in. Because when we're, you know, studying for PA or other healthcare stuff, um, sometimes we have to read things that we don't want to read. And like reading other books for inspiration is so amazing. If, you, if you're interested in something else, you can pick up new hobbies. And sometimes like as students, especially for me, I can get really discouraged very easily. And for me, I like to, you know, scroll through the internet, look for short stories, or even like borrow books or download books about um, like memoirs or um, their life about like how inspired they are. And it really does encourage me and it's like a nice pick-me-up. Yeah, and speaking of what we've been reading, I this is like a great example. Recently, I just read the book called Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, and it's actually a memoir written by Nike's co-founder, Phil Knight, and it's basically mm-hmm. like he talks about the history of Nike and every struggle they had in the beginning and its evolution and how it spun into basically like literally one of the world's most recognized and most profitable companies. It's like this huge empire, and... Let me tell you, I loved it. And I was actually thinking about when I was doing research and realizing how many people, how many successful figures read these these types of books, I was looking it up and it's actually like Bill Gates named Shoe Dogs, one of his favorite books in 2016. Wow. So it's, I highly wow. recommend it as well. I know nothing about like Nike in general, but reading it and seeing, I feel like it's so interesting to see like what sparks people who were so successful today like what sparked that energy mm-hmm. what sparked your inspiration like where does that come from where does that drive come from what were your obstacles because I can never understand the obstacles you face when you're building a company from the ground up what were your obstacles who are the people you met along the way what are the do's and don'ts I just feel like that's so I don't know why like yes I'm going to healthcare but I feel like it's just these life lessons and values that are so important and it's just a great way to be educated in a different way that's funny that you talk of that you talked about you know the Nike CEO because when I was doing research for this podcast, um, I came up across a study that interviewed 1,200 of the world's wealthiest people to find out you know like obviously what traits they shared, and one trait that nearly all of them had in common was reading. So you know right. that's from self improvement to autobiography mm-hmm. like Jamie's reading. Um, so Jamie, you're on the right track, <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> and yeah, so I think you know getting a sense of how successful people are, you know, building their lives and, you know, how they manage their day-to-day through their autobiographies is, is an interesting, you know, way to build up your own life. Yeah. Like when I was little, my mom would always say to me, read it, read books. It'll make you smarter. Let's go to the library, borrow like 10 books. And, you know, she's right because even when I first came to America, I learned my English, not through tutoring, not through school, but I re- I read and I picked up a lot of things. And like what Jamie mentioned, there's a lot of scientific research that shows how reading can benefit you and how it correlates to success. There were actually brain scans of college students reading a thriller that showed increased activity in the areas that are related to language comprehension and sensation. So even science tells us to read. When you said that your mom would tell you it makes you smarter, that just like triggered something in me. I don't know if you guys like, (laughs) have you like, I've always grown up with like, read more. It makes you smarter. I'm like, how? Yes. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> and they're like, read the newspaper, read this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, 
like, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean make me smarter? Because I'm like, I'm not going to memorize all this information. Like, I feel like especially it's so hard when you're growing up to fully grasp how much reading can do for you. Like, I don't know. Did you guys struggle with that whenever someone told you it'll make you smarter? Well, for me, I feel like it's what you're reading. But at the same time, I would always say that a book is more like, I guess, intellectually, you know, straining than watching a movie. So for example, when you said that, the first thing that popped into my head was like, every single person reading Harry Potter as a kid. And don't get me wrong, it's a great book for kids, love it. But if you were an adult reading it versus watching the movie or, you know, reading an autobiography of someone, I feel like, I feel like there's a, a difference between all three of those things. Yeah. I completely agree with both of you. Like, I realize that the more you read and the more things you absorb, you kind of think about them afterwards. Like, do you guys ever read something and, like, think about it after, like, many hours later? And you begin to, like, dive into, like, the symbolism and what it meant and how it can relate to your life. And I think that really helps you become a better thinker and ultimately make better decisions in the future, whether that's for healthcare or for business or just, like, life in general. Like, it helps you exercise your brain almost. Reading is like exercising your brain. That's really true. I never thought about that before. And how you said you think about it after especially with, you know, shoe dog or whatever you're reading in terms of if it's self-education or whatnot. That's completely true. I, I feel like also a big thing that successful figures do is like they do like focus thinking. And it's like reflecting and whatnot. So especially instead of also just reading, I feel like it's really important to have the intention of wanting to harness that information with you for the rest of your life. So don't just read past time, like read to intentionally be educated and to use that knowledge that you are gaining and I just feel like honestly intention is everything it's your mindset how you're reading it how are you going into this how are you viewing the value of this book and especially like I'm saying that now as adults because that's you know more applicable to us today um, and I feel like that would also really change the value of reading mm-hmm. and you know kind of going off this whole reading thing is that pe- like successful people value their time just as much as their money and so I think kind of a uh, valuable way of spending your free time is learning about other successful people, learning about other subjects that you necessarily wouldn't learn in your everyday schooling. And for that, time equals money and knowledge equals money, whether it be from an autobiography, just nonfiction book, or even a fiction book that increases your emotional intelligence. You know, I just think that's really valuable. Right, exactly. And I know someone said, when we invest our time in anything, it's lost forever. So you, you know, I feel like anyone who has built something great and they're big and they're up there i don't think any of them are honestly lazy you know like whether they wake up early or not it doesn't matter that's their own schedule but we can all say you cannot build an empire for yourself and provide all these jobs to so many people and be so successful with being lazy or wasting time and i think that's something that sometimes people not they i feel like it has to also be acquired in a way like you have to live through it to value that so the fact that these people are using their time to read and educate themselves, I feel like it just yells that it's something important. People that are successful, their their free time, they go after their goals and they're being proactive and they have, you know, these short-term and long-term goals that they know where they want to get to in life, what they want to accomplish and how they want to get there. So they take the time out of their day to really plan out what they want to do and Mm -hmm. um, just to think and reflect about their upcoming goals and what they want to accomplish. Yeah, that's so true. If you think about it, when they built, let's say, Nike or apple it wasn't out of like hmm, i don't really know what i want to do 
but I guess we'll know when we get there. Like, absolutely not. Yeah. Being proactive, that's also another big habit that we've seen constantly rise up amongst these group of people. They know what they want, whether it's short-term or long-term. Like, if it's, it could be anywhere from getting my hour workout in at 5 a.m. Check, like, that's something that feels good. You need to know where you want to go because that gives you that drive. And I think that's a big factor that really helps drive the success and productivity of their day and their company. Right. And I think part of being productive is listening to your own language, listening to what you want in your career, what you want to accomplish, and, you know, being aware of how you speak to yourself. And, you know, sometimes different ways and different phrases that you say to yourself can indicate your goals, your future, what you want to accomplish. Right. Um, I think a lot of times we're not aware of how we talk to ourselves and that little voice in our heads and how much that impacts our outlook on life, our outlook on success, and even how they perceive us. Um, Like I mentioned before, I read the book, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, and it really talked about that inner voice and how that impacts everything that you do. There are people who are proactive versus reactive, And there were a couple examples that I want to share with you. Uh, It was stuff like, that's just the way I am, which is something that we say to ourselves all the time. Um, But this shows that there is nothing that I can do over the situation. Thus, I have no control. Sometimes we can say, he makes me so mad. And this shows my emotional health that is governed by something outside of my control. Or I can't do that. I don't have enough time. That's saying that something outside of me is controlling me and I don't have control of my day. Or last one, if only my wife was more patient. This shows that someone is someone else's behavior is limiting my effectiveness and how I behave with my body. And I just thought that was really interesting because all these things that we say to ourselves, we think that it doesn't impact us, they're just words, but they actually accumulate to something greater and it kind of changes our mentality and our habits. Right, and I love how those examples, literally I could hear myself saying that to myself. And I think I heard somewhere, I don't know if you guys heard this, but I think someone was saying something, I'm so sorry, I have no idea where this is coming from, but there was a saying that says, the person you talk to the most is yourself. And I think that's Mm. very true. Um, That's why we have, you know, those practices where it's like self-affirmations in the morning or people write like, I am beautiful, I am strong on their mirror. We see that a lot going around and people are acknowledging that you really are responsible for your mindset, how you speak to yourself, not anyone else. And I definitely resonated with one of the things Chloe said when she said um, that people say, I can't do that. I don't have enough time. That's literally if I could walk around with that sign over my head every single day I'm always thinking that I'm restricted to how the time around me is spinning and how events around me are spinning Mm -hmm. so I definitely resonated with that right and I think something that I always learned about in psych was like um it's what's called locus of control so you could either have an internal locus of control or an external locus of control and it's it's kind of self-explanatory so like either you know you're in control of your life or outside forces are in control of your life and um you know one of the actually interesting things that we would learn is um if you had an internal um locus of control basically you're more willing to take your health into your own hands you know no matter if you had a predisposition to um you know some type of genetic disease or cancer or diabetes or anything whereas people with external locuses of control 
felt that, you know, their situation is their situation and there's nothing that they can do to get out of it because God or whoever, um, you know, granted them with these set of conditions. And ultimately the people with the internal locus of control had better health outcomes because they were more willing to change for the better. Wow. I mean, we talked about this in previous podcasts about how your physical health um, correlates with your mental health and how everything is connected as a whole. But that's really interesting to hear that even in psychology, you can learn about how you can control your life. You can change the outlook of your life. Uh, But also, I want to talk about how sometimes we can really have no control over our circumstances. Like um, if a loved one is in the hospital, you can't do anything about it, you know. But I think what's important is that we have to change our response and change the way that we talk to ourselves. Like Jamie said, we do talk to ourselves the most and the most throughout the day. So um, we definitely have these controls that we can change with the right mindset. Right. And just going back to the whole theme of how these people get so big and so successful, it's just, it just shows like, do you think that they didn't have a hard life? I'm sure many of them have their unique circumstances. Like you said, Chloe, that are unimaginable. Mm -hmm. We can never assume anything. And building something like that, you're going to encounter a lot of failure, a lot of rejection, um, a lot of prototypes, whatever you're building. And it's, it can be really hard, especially I know that building a company, I was talking, I was listening to, I don't know if you guys know this brand. Um, It's called Crave Beauty. And it's a huge brand line now for makeup and skincare and the the founder of it said being an entrepreneur and building a business can be very very lonely and I can definitely resonate with that like you know all of us yes we do work on this podcast but we've also helped build up Crest from the start and it's really hard no one will really understand how much work it takes um, and how much time it takes unless you're there So I think it just goes back to the theme that a lot of the successful people we see these days were able to, yes, acknowledge circumstance and whatnot, but do everything they could to change. Like it, it really matters about how you react. I think we've all heard that a lot. It's not about, I forget, I can't really remember, but it's like, it's about how you react. It's about your reaction because you can control how you Mm -hmm. react to something. Right. And, you know, kind of going off what I said before, if you have a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, Um, That has to do with your, you know, your reaction to whatever's happening to you. So people with a fixed mindset, you know, believe that their qualities are fixed and can't change. Um, And, you know, they focus more on their genetic talent and just, you know, the intelligence that they were born with rather than improving themselves and striving, you know, for their goals. Whereas people with growth mindsets believe that intelligence grows with experience and working hard can help them become smarter. So, I think, in my opinion, it is better to have that growth mindset, again, with that um, internal locus of control, kind of going hand in hand with each other, so that you react to your situation in a positive way. And it definitely comes down to, you know, there genuinely are things out of our control, like you said, like, you know, family members in the hospital, you yourself, you know, having an illness or or something bad happening in, the, in that sense. Um, but we always have these little daily struggles that I think by changing our mindset and how we're reacting to it can ultimately put our lives on a better direction. Yeah, I completely agree with what you just said about the growth mindset and the, what was the other one, the fixed mindset. 
Successful people follow because they can develop a daily routine that's set for success that is consistent, which helps them work towards the goal. And I think the power of the growth mindset is that you're because you're so open to new ideas, you don't reject them. You know, so whenever someone tells you something, you're you're wanting to learn. You have that craving to learn and grow and expand yourself, which is, I think, a very important aspect of somebody who is successful, who wants to go and step outside of their comfort zone. Right. And I was, this is another habit. It's not like one that we were going to mention, but this just brings me to a point that I read somewhere also that um, successful people really value teamwork and how much that means to people, which is why they're also so talented in networking and just building relationships. They understand that they could not be built just by themselves. And so always being open to forming new relationships with people who inspire them. I think it's, I would never really, I think it's extremely like humble of them to realize that they need other people. They need other minds. They need other ideas. So I think that's a really cool thing that something that they're always pursuing is new relationships and new advice. And Jamie, that was, you know, really good. And that brings me to my next point that conversation and communication is such an important aspect of success. Um, You know, when you think of major companies and successful businesses. Could you imagine if that CEO just worked in silence and didn't have any of their business partners and, you know, right. financial, you know, people that were involved financially with them helping them? Cause then I feel like they wouldn't be nearly as successful as they were if, you know, they didn't have good communication skills. They couldn't schmooze their way, you know, through a deal or something. And I just feel like that's a major, major part of being successful. That's a really good point. Um, no matter how talented and amazing you are, you're, you need help. Like everybody can use that support from whoever. So like it reminds me of um, Parks and Rec when Leslie decided to run for mayor. She's like a character. And she talks about how she's very passionate about you know politics and all that. And she's very capable, but she couldn't do it alone. She needed her team. Her team was flawed and they weren't perfect, but she needed them to move forward and Um, I also liked what you said about being humble enough to accept that you need help. You need support system because everybody needs help. Everyone needs support. Yeah. And I definitely think, you know, with our upcoming app Crest that you get that support from people, you get, you know, similar things that are, are happening to people that are trying to build themselves up that, you know, are going through the same thing as you. So you can learn to communicate through, you know, the Crest app and, and how that can lead you to having, you know, a better successful life and ultimately just, just make you feel good at the end of the day, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. And just the fact that, you know, collaboration is so special. And if you haven't listened to our previous podcast, we interviewed and just talked with Dr. Nikki Williams. She's an ER physician. She came from a background of basketball. She's a professional women's basketball player. Amazing. And she now works in emergency medicine. And she told us that she still views the ER and the emergency department as a team. And she was captain when she was an undergrad. And she says she uses those leadership skills because especially when you're in the ER or in healthcare or whatever, it was just so cool to see that she views everyone as a team and every person has a role and they contribute in their own unique way. So again, if you haven't listened, please do give it a listen. She had so much knowledge. She was, her insights were amazing and they were so enlightening. 
and transformative, but it just reminds me of the conversation we had with her, just hearing that, just being spoken out of her mouth was so cool because a lot of times, I don't know how many times we take on life viewing it as a team effort where it's not just you and you need people of multiple talents and backgrounds to really make things work. Speaking of teamwork, another really important aspect of success is conversational intelligence. Um, Conversational intelligence is learning to communicate um, as a very important aspect of success. And in a team, you need to know how to communicate. You need to tell them exactly what you want, what you need, and know how to talk about your emotions, your feelings, and all of that um, in order for the team to work successfully. So that's a very important habit that successful people have. Um, it's to be open and assertive and use conversational and communication skills that encourages one another. And an important part of this is having an inner dialogue that is uplifting and honest. I know we talked about this before, but we need to talk to ourselves the way that we talk to others in a kind and welcoming manner. But yeah, I just want to throw that in there. That was very important. No, yeah, that's true. Like you can be all for teamwork and whatnot but if you don't know how to communicate your ideas or what you need from people or that your your encouragements to them it's really not going to work so again that leads back to educating yourself how to you know present yourself and how to communicate and translate your ideas because you know we all have those teachers that are so smart in school but they just can't teach And it's like, I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I know you're a genius, but I do not know what you're saying. It's just like that. Like, I feel like teachers have the hardest job because in their minds, it sounds so clear. And it's like, how else can I break it down? And they just can't. But you as a person, especially CEO or someone who wants to build something, you have to be able to project your vision and your goals to other people. Like Javi said, it's so important for people to have short-term and long-term goals but you cannot achieve those on your own, especially in like a large corporate setting or whatnot. So you need to bring your team into it, right? But your team cannot work with you if they have no idea where you're going. So it just reminds me that you can be the smartest person in the world, but no one can work with you if they have no idea what you're talking about and they don't understand you. So that just relates to everything at the end of the day. You have to be able to communicate and work with each other. And you know, something so important to that point is building the team through networking and exchanging ideas with other people to encourage them to be on your team, to continue working with you. And, you know, we've talked about in previous podcasts on how to do that and how, and how to get yourself out in the community and and building your own emotional support team. And, um, you know, your team can be friends, family, coworkers, people that share the same, you know, mindset as you and, and want to push themselves to do better. Um, and I think that's especially important when you're dealing with a startup, dealing with things that necessarily aren't already set up for you. So networking is a huge, huge part of getting that, you know, conversational intelligence, we could call it, and being able to, you know, schmooze and booze your way through deals that, um, <laughs> you necessarily wouldn't have gotten if you didn't have those connections. All right, so I think we went through a lot of different points on habits of successful people. Um, You know, the first one being waking up early, you know, getting in that workout, whether it be early in the day or during any single time that you can throughout the day, Um, reading books, opening your mind to different, you know, areas of the world, valuing your time, going after your goals, listening to your own language and you know 
through that developing a growth mindset. So ultimately, I hope you guys all learned something today and that would push you to be more successful in your life. And yeah, see you next time on Crest Talk.